is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm really delighted that you're here today. But I want to check in at the beginning and see how you're feeling about yourself. Is there anybody in this room who would like to be a better person than they are right now? Raise your hand if that's you. I don't know what it might be. Maybe remember people's names better or be more courageous or more patience, less anger. It seems like we all have things we're working on. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, I wish I could be a better what? Go ahead. And if you're sitting by yourself, turn around, talk to somebody else. How would you want to be better? All right. We are the kind of people here in our congregation who say we want to be better by being more like Jesus, right? And we say we believe this, that we should be more like Jesus. And uh, I knew I was going to be going in this direction today, so I had a little discussion with our staff at our staff meeting Tuesday about do, do we really believe that? Do we really think we can be like Jesus? And oftentimes we discovered that we, uh, we have trouble with that. We kind of backpedal from that and say, you know what, well, you, you know, we're sinners. Jesus wasn't a sinner, you know. He's holy. We're not holy. You know, he's the son of God. We're not the son of God. Do we really think that we can be like Jesus? And we recognize, at least amongst our little staff powwow, that, that we have a little trouble grasping that. Uh, what we actually have trouble grasping, and Pastor Allen helped us get to this, is, is just how human Jesus really was. We think he had this divine ability to like overcome some of these weaknesses that we, we face. But what if he really was fully human, just like you and I, and what if we really could be like him? And this is what we're going to try to explore this month and actually throughout most of our fall season. We're going to be looking at what does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it really mean to follow him? And to get us started in that, we're actually going to turn to a passage in 1 John. So I'd like to invite you to open your Bible or your phone, whatever device you're reading scripture on, to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1. And while you're doing that, I just want to make a little plug for last week's sermon. Uh, we had a guest here, uh, Blaine Newhouse, who's a missionary in Bahrain, gave one of the best sermons I've ever heard on this topic, and it actually was like the perfect setup for today. So uh, all of our old sermons and messages are online. You can go to our Facebook or to our uh, webpage, and you can find them. I highly recommend listening to that. It, it's a great setup for uh, what we're going to be doing this fall. But we're going to start today by digging into it a little deeper using these verses from 1 John 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter and then into chapter 2 a little bit. But before I do that, I'd like you to know that as disciples, one of the things we do is we pray, and I'm often praying for you all, and one of the prayers I pray for you is this, the Lord be with you. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. That is such a great verse. It's telling us that the words that we're getting here, the testimony that we're reading about, the proclamation of Jesus, was from people who were there. 
They saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus, they listened to Jesus, and now they're telling us what they saw. The life appeared, we have seen it, and we testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I was teasing some kid who was walking in today because they were walking into the church with like this giant grin and they're like, I said to them, are you glad to be here today? And they're like, yes, I am. I'm like, this is the posture of these disciples. They're like, we want to tell you about this guy we met. His name is Jesus, and it makes us happy. We are so glad to tell you about that. This is the testimony that they were giving to us. Now, jump into verse 5. This is the message we heard from him, and we declare it to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He's starting to get into the reality that, yeah, uh, we do have to deal with sin. It's a real thing and all of us have an issue with it. He's trying to give us a little clue here about how we do that. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So don't act like you have no sin just not true but verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us my dear children I write this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous one he is the the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person but if anyone obeys his word love for God is truly made complete in them this is how we know we are in him this is how we know we're in Jesus Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Here's the key verse for not only today, but for the next several weeks. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus lived. Do you think we can live like Jesus? If you say no, then you're saying God's a liar. You're saying this word is not true. Because he's telling us, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you have to live just like Jesus did. We want to try to get our minds around that, and we're going to do that by using these four chairs that you have all astutely noticed up here on the stage. I'm actually going to give credit where credit is due because this idea actually originates with a guy named Dan Spader. He's written on this quite extensively. And actually, if you go online and Google four-chair discipleship, you'll find a thousand sermons of other people who have talked about this. I'm going to give you my version of this sermon today. But first, I'm going to tell you a story. I think many of you know that Mary and I recently took vacation. We got a beautiful trip to Alaska, and a number of you asked for photos from the trip. And so I thought I would oblige you today by sharing a few of our vacation photos. So the first picture I want to show you up here is a picture of a moose 
Isn't that great? And this thing was huge. It was kind of far off, but it was cool. Yes? I took this picture, yes. I have some more. The next picture is a picture of a whale. It's actually a whale tail because the way it worked on the ship was you could see the spout and then everyone rushes over there with their cameras and the next thing you see is the tail going in. So that's a whale tail. How'd I do? But wait, there's more. I took 900 pictures on this trip, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. The next one is a picture of a glacier. We got into Glacier Bay. Stunning. These things are massive. Can you tell? Maybe not so much. Okay, final picture. The reason we really went there was to see the mountain Denali, highest mountain in North America. There it is. Okay, we're going to have a little photo party at my house this afternoon. If you want to come by, we'll go through a few more of these. Uh, I show you these pictures because what I'm thinking about discipleship is this, that oftentimes we are in a fog about what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus. We talk about it a lot. We talk about following Jesus. We talk about becoming disciples and making disciples. We think this is our mission as a church to make disciples. But I think when push comes to shove, we really have a, a kind of a vague, maybe foggy idea about what it actually means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because we often have this fog, we want to try to clear that up. We think we should be crystal clear about what we're aiming at. What is the target we're shooting for when we say we want to make disciples? So we're going to use these four chairs to try to get as clear as possible about what it means. And the reason we do this is because of this verse. We think that whoever claims to live in Jesus must live like Jesus lived. That's what we mean by being a disciple. It means living like Jesus. Now, we've already wrestled with the concept that none of us actually live completely like Jesus, so how can we tell how we're doing as a follower of Jesus as one of his disciples? So we're going to give you four things to consider. The first thing is this chair number one. Chair number one is called the seeker chair. Chair number one is where you would be, if you're the kind of person who says, you know, I've heard about Jesus, I maybe understand a little bit about him. I'm not sure if I believe it all. I'm not sure if I trust him. I'm not sure who he is really or what he did. But I want to find out more. The seeker is the person who has this posture of curiosity who says, can I explore this more fully? Can I understand a little bit more? And we love and respect people who are in chair number one. If you're a seeker and you're saying, I don't know that I trust Jesus. I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus yet. But I want to figure it out. We would applaud you. And what we would do is point you to next steps. So the next step for the seeker is something like you dig deeper. You, you look into the scriptures, especially the gospels. Look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Find out everything you can about Jesus. Answer the questions that you have about him. Figure out more about what that means. Hang out with people who are followers of Jesus if you're a seeker. And talk to them about it and figure out how they talk about it and what they know and how they've experienced it. The, the words from this testimony in 1 John 2, talk to someone who's, who's listened and seen and talked to and tasted and touched Jesus. Listen to God's word about that because what we hope for the seeker is that at some point they come to a point where they come up to this, this choice, this what we call the line of faith, and they say, I think I believe. I put my trust in Jesus. I confess my sins. I trust in him to take care of me 
and watch over me and provide an eternal home for me. When you cross this line of faith, you're moving into the second chair. Now, this is all a continuum you recognize. So there's all kinds of points along this journey. But the second chair is the person who said, I do believe. I accept that Jesus came, that he lived his life, that he died on the cross for me, that he rose again from the dead, that he ascended into heaven. I accept that he's real and that he's the son of God and that he has power to change my life and has power to change this whole world. I believe that's true. This is the, the seat of the, the believer. And they go, now that I believe it, I'm going to learn to trust in Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to ask him to forgive my sins and I'm going to ask him to guide my life, to show me what to do. And what I'm going to do as a next step as a believer, a new believer, is I'm going to continue to explore. Then what does it mean for me to trust in Jesus? How can I grow a deeper trust? How can I understand more about what it means for me to follow Jesus? Believers are in this chair are often excited and kind of geeked out about what they're discovering and they want to know more and more about it. And if you're in that mode, then you're probably in this early place in the continuum, just starting to discover what that means. This is a beginning, not an end. What happens after I come to faith in Jesus Christ is I go deeper into him, and at some point I kind of transition on down the road so that I'm at a different spot. Dan Spader in his book calls this the worker chair. I'm not completely satisfied with that terminology, if I was going to name this chair, I would name this chair the abiding chair, the abider. Because what happens after we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith and trust in him at first, we want to grow deeper. And the scripture is very clear about the thing that helps us grow deeper is abide with me, Jesus says. In the same way that a branch abides in a vine and draws life from that vine, so we abide in Jesus and that gives us life. That abiding then helps us discover our passions and our gifts. It helps us discover that you know, we don't come to faith for our own sake only. We come to faith for the sake of the whole world. So I start to discover that, well, I have gifts and talents. I have a calling from God. Now I have a place where I can serve other people. And then I begin to, to work in ministry and I get to serve. So the, the person who's in this chair is usually engaged in serving in some capacity. They've discovered a little bit about their passions and gifts, how they make a difference, and they, they serve other people. The, the problem with the worker, if they're not an abider, is, well, it'll burn you out. You just become weary and exhausted because our life comes from Jesus. It comes from abiding in Jesus. All along this continuum, if we're not abiding in Jesus, it's a recipe for getting stalled in your growth. You don't continue to move. But the people in this chair are usually digging deeper, spending time with Christ, and then figuring out how to apply that to their life. When you do that for a while, then pretty soon you start to cross some more lines of growth until you get to this chair, which he calls the multiplier chair. The multiplier is the person who's followed Christ long enough to know that they're in it to raise up other disciples. They're not just a disciple. They're a disciple who makes other disciples. That's their calling in life. Um, they might claim a verse like Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The person in this chair starts to recognize, I'm investing my life in other people. Some who are seeking, who don't know Christ, some who are maybe new in their faith, some who are growing along in their faith, and maybe I'm being mentored by someone who's even more mature in my faith. They're, they're fully connected. Now, we believe that this growth continuum develops as we 
engage with God's word. This is the power to shape us and the power of God's spirit is unleashed then to move us and shape us. One thing that we learn as we move our way down this thing is we don't do this alone. We don't do this in a vacuum. We don't do this by ourselves in isolation. This growth often happens best and I think some among us would say the growth only happens when we're in community. So that as we grow in this process, we become more and more connected and engaged with other people who are also followers of Jesus. So this is the continuum that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. And what we really thought would be helpful is is if everybody in our congregation can identify exactly where they're at. Because, you know, there's different things needed at different spots. And that will help you go, okay, if I'm here, okay, good. Well, how do I move to here? And if I'm here, then how do I move to here? And what kind of things can I do to explore that? So two next steps for you if you want to figure this out. The first one is that Jesus app. So even more important than getting a Chick-fil-A card from Lindsay would be downloading this app and right in the beginning of it, there's a thing called the four-chair assessment. It's like, I don't know, 15 or 20 questions. It's not very long. You answer those questions, and then in the end it says, hey, you're in this chair. By the answers you give, now I give you some pointers. Be honest. This doesn't do you any good if you don't answer and honest. You actually stay in the fog. You know how we get in the fog over discipleship? We get into the fog, yeah, because we're sinners. We're sinful people. We haven't got it all figured out. So that always perpetuate some fog, but we also get into this because we're being discipled by other things. These things make it less clear what it means to follow Jesus. So we can spend our time living and and walking in this fog and not even know. I think this app can help us move beyond that and get clear about it. In fact, a bunch of the stuff I'm reading about this tells me that the real question isn't about are you being discipled? That's not the right question for anyone. The real question for all of us is this, what is actually discipling you? Because if we're not being discipled by the word of God, by Jesus, by the community of God's people, we're being discipled by everything else that happens to us during the day. We're getting discipled by our social media, by CNN, by Fox News. We're getting discipled by the people we hang out with at work or at school, the people we do leisure with. We're getting discipled by all these things all the time. Do we want to be the kind of people who are discipled by Jesus, so that we can become like Jesus, that's our goal. And it takes us right back to this key verse. Whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus lives. So go to the app, take this survey, and find out what chair you're in. It'll help you get out of the fog and into maybe some more clear understanding. The other thing that you can do is some people are not uh, into the technology. And I was going to say, if you want help with the, the app, downloading the app, they said talk to any staff. I say talk to any staff younger than me. That's who you need to talk to. Okay? That doesn't work for everybody. But the other way that we find this stuff out is by being in community. So we join together with other people and they help us figure out what are we struggling with, where's our challenges, how are we growing. I mean, this is actually what happens in small groups. So here's the plug for that. I've been together in a couple different small groups and I tell you, those things are invaluable for me figuring out how to be more like Jesus. They help me understand what I'm good at and they're honest with me about what I'm not good at, where I'm growing and where I'm not growing and it's because I got a few people that are close to me and we share our lives together and that helps me understand 
being a disciple. It's making me more like Jesus. If you're not in a small group, you're going to hear a lot about this again this season. It's a perfect time to get involved with a small group. It helps us get clear about all of this stuff. I think I've got one last picture. I've been really messing with the tech team today because I'm not going on my notes and I'm going out of order, but this is actually Denali, what it really looks like. When we were in Alaska, we were at one point along this little gravel road and we saw the bottom one-third of the mountain. And I didn't get a very good picture of that either, but we could see it and everybody was like all abuzz and the tour guide was like, look, that's it. You can see the bottom of the mountain. We knew it was the mountain because we were all very tuned into saying, this is what we came to see. We want to see Denali. And so when we finally even caught a glimpse of it, everyone was all geeked out and excited. And now we're already talking about, we need to go back again so we can be there on a sunshiny day and actually see the whole mountain. Because this was the purpose, right? We want everybody in our congregation and in our community to be absolutely, absolutely clear, what chair are you in? How are you growing as a disciple? And then what's your next thing to grow deeper? And I'd like to invite you to consider the truth that the end game is we can live like Jesus. Dear Lord God, we come before you this morning and I want to give you thanks for this time together. I thank you for these great people who are here watching and those watching online and those who will watch this in the future. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would work in each of us to mold us and shape us as only you can to become more and more like Jesus. And God, we will give you thanks for the good that you're going to do in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.